Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 42 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, my guest today is fancied by wrestling fans the world over. She's an ass kicker in the ring. She's an ass shaker in the bar. She is, and in the ring, I think sometimes too, she is Session Moth Martina. Martina, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be back on Ring of Honor in some form <laughs> right now. Uh, I know it's been a while, but it's great to uh, to come on and be able to talk to everybody again. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the crazy times that we're living in, which uh, unfortunately for you, it seemed to all coincide with when you were just getting started here uh, in Ring it, of Honor. I, it's the most devastating, like, I was actually only saying to somebody today that uh, we were just talking about like how the year has gone. And I remember when I had started my, like when I got my Ring of Honor dates for like the first half of the year, I couldn't believe the amount of places that I was going to get to see. Like I remember there was like California on it, like Baltimore, Canada, just loads of places. And I was just like, oh my God, this year is going to be the best ever. I'm so excited. And then we got as far as Vegas. And by the time we landed, it was... I had no idea how long it would be for or anything like that, but it was just, it's just, it still kind of shocks me now that it's, we're still here. You know what I mean? Well, let me say as a Baltimore guy, I appreciate you putting Baltimore in there with California and Vegas and uh, Canada. Because usually we don't get that kind of respect in Baltimore. But Well, like uh, Baltimore was where I made my debut. So it's obviously going to have a very special place in my heart. (laughs) So what's going on right now as far as uh, the pandemic? In, you're in Dublin, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, what's, so are, are things opening up? Are they closing down more? What's the situation? It's, it's been mad. Uh, just the last couple of weeks, things have gotten quite crazy because, you know, the whole new variants and stuff like that. So we, we've had a couple, pretty much we've been in lockdown since March. Like, we've had very, very small openings. Like, I think for... In maybe August, the pubs opened for like maybe two months and then we were shut down again. And then they opened up again in like uh, December. Do you know what I mean? So we've only had little, like, and I'm talking a few weeks in between and like shops kind of opened and then they closed again. So pretty much after Christmas, we went into, like I think on Christmas Eve, it was like, okay, we're going back into like full lockdown. We call it like level five. So you're only allowed like five miles from your house for a walk. Uh, no, like non-essential retail is open. Uh, so pretty much you're just able to go to the shop and go for a walk. <laughs> and other than that, you just have to stay in your house all day. It's been pretty draining. Wow. So they, it's like they gave you a little bit of a taste of yeah. sort of getting back to some, and then they took it away again. I, f- I feel like it, it was almost for our sanity coming up to Christmas. You know what I mean? Like people wanted to obviously see their families and see their friends a little bit. And obviously you don't, you can't see people as much as you would like. Like I haven't, the thing that hurts for me this year, which is a big thing for me is I haven't been able to train. Like I remember my last training session before going off to Vegas, uh, I was so excited and I was like, 
had all these like ideas in my head and I went to training to like practice and be as like literally at the top of my game going into Vegas. And then by the time I landed back in Dublin after the Vegas weekend, everything was just gone. And I lost my training school as well, which was pretty rough because the landlord wasn't willing to put the rent on freeze. So now even in our little periods of opening back up, we didn't have a school to go train in. But we're quite hopeful now in Dublin that like, with the vaccine coming along and you know everything's quite hopeful again you know it's like right now it's it's kind of sucky but we're getting there we're getting there so i've got like complete hope that i'll be back training within a couple of months and then before you know it like back doing shows even here hopefully back in america you know i've stayed positive throughout the entire time because you kind of have to you know or else it would just get on top of you completely yeah, staying positive is the key. And as, as you said, it's, it's difficult for everybody at this point. What, yeah. have you, what have you done to, I guess, sort of pass the time? What have you done to keep busy? You said you couldn't train. So what have you been up to? I, it, uh, well, the gyms did open every, every so often uh, in between. But like, you managed to kind of work out a way of working out at home. It's obviously like Irish weather isn't the best. So <laughs> So like you know I found myself like going for runs in the rain and you know doing push-ups in wet grass and like just I, I guess I've just kind of focused because I've never had this kind of time before to really kind of just focus on okay well I'm gonna explore fitness avenues that I kind of haven't before so in that regard I'm kind of happy for the time off because I've really kind of discovered things that work and what doesn't work do you know what I mean but then it'll once you're back on the road, you're gonna have to like adjust everything and see how it how it pans out and stuff like that. Other than that, I think I've just kind of been watching Netflix and <laughs> drinking every weekend to make it different from the weekday. <laughs> <laughs> so what's good what on makes Net- a weekend special, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. So what's good on Netflix for you? Um. Oh my god! Uh, what did I watch recently? I watched The Crown. If anyone's watched that, I'm trying to get smarter as well. That's one thing that I've been determined to do this year. It's like I'm going to learn about history. I'm going to learn about stuff that I don't know. Usually, it's not really working out because I have the memory of a sieve. So if you ask me something, I'm like, "Yeah, I did learn that, but I forget it now." <laughs> <laughs> I saw a thing you did with Joe Hendry a while back where he was quizzing you on certain yeah. things. Because it's kind of a thing, like I've known Joe uh, a long time now, just from being around uh, British wrestling for the last couple of years. And it's kind of like a backstage, but fans know it as well, joke that I'm kind of not the smartest tool in the shed or sharpest tool in the shed. So whenever we'd be on like road trips or whatever, I would just end up asking questions and or people would start talking about like things that are real smart. (laughs) And I'd be like, wait, what? No, that's not that some reason geography is my achilles heel like i just have no idea what's where what's a country what isn't what's a continent (laughs) so uh it just always became a bit of a joke so people will kind of find questions to ask me and see what i would say because i have like a warped it's like i have half a memory of things like i know a little bit about it but not full chilling and then i get it mixed up with other things (laughs) (laughs) well you know what my opinion is part of being smart is knowing what you don't know because yeah, then you know, <laughs> because then you know they ask the right question. So nothing wrong. I'm with that. smart enough to know that I'm not smart enough to answer this question. So <laughs> <laughs> that's my approach. <laughs> One thing I saw on your social media is that you discovered that you have the talent for drawing while you. Yeah. Were, is that, is yeah. That- 
that was on that was like do you remember like kind of March, April, when the whole lockdown thing was still a bit fun. Like, yeah. we were all just a little bit excited by it. We were like, you know what? This is actually going to be great. Like, I'm going to stay in. I'm going to, like, start all these new hobbies. I'm going to improve myself. You know, and you actually had, like, still had a zest for life. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember... I just like started buying all this stuff on Amazon because I was like, right, I need to keep myself entertained for the next two weeks because that's what I thought it was going to last, how long it was going to last. So I like bought a drawing thing and I, they were just, it's almost therapeutic just to sit there and draw. And then I was like, I can make these look terrible and they're really funny that way. So I'm just going to, any inspiration I can get, I'm going to draw a really bad picture just so I can be like, hey guys, look how talented I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you if you, if you put these things on on eBay or something, I bet you could sell them. I bet fans. I know, right? I was them. like, that's what I was like. I I need to be more of an entrepreneur with these type of things. I'm like, because I I have nothing but time. I could just sit there. I'm like, I'll draw your picture. I mean, it won't look anything <laughs> like you, and I'll just probably photocopy it and send it out. But like, <laughs> I'll just I'll just say. I'll just draw different pictures of myself grinding on different people and <laughs> frame <you> them. <laughs> So we talked about training a little bit earlier as far as getting to the gym and stuff, but what yeah. about getting in a wrestling ring? When was the last time you were in a ring? March. In Vegas. Um, oh, when wow. we did the uh, no people, no, the no people match. That's the last time I've actually wrestled. I think that, and then the week before that I wrestled in London and like, I had no idea that that would be my last match in front of a crowd or anything like that. It was really fun and everything, but I remember just, it's kind of shocking to look back and be like, God, if I knew that was my last match, would I have done everything like that? Would I have done more? Would I have like had, you know, more fun? Would I have taken it more seriously? You know, you you don't know. Like it's so hard to look back in retrospect and be like, what would I have done differently if that was the case? But yeah, I haven't trained then since, since that before going to Vegas. So it's, it's terrifying in a way. I'm so scared to actually like, get in a ring. Oh, I actually know there was one period during the summer where I went to a training school, like in a different camp. Like I, I traveled like three hours down to go do a training class down in Cork. Uh, but because I was taking the class, I didn't actually do that much myself. I did like one or two things and it's been months since I wrestled as well. So I was like, Oh, I'll take it easy. You know, we're back training now. So I'll guide myself in. But then right after that, everything closed again. So I was like, Oh God, I wish I did more now. <laughs> So before this period of uh, sort of a hiatus, uh, you had been wrestling for about 10 years all over the world. It's 10 years in February, but I, it's like, I have a big thing now because 10 years in February is my, like I've been, I have no tattoos. So I had said to myself, I always wanted to get a tattoo, but I never had. So I was like, okay, well, what's something meaningful enough to you that would actually warrant a tattoo at this point? So I was like, okay, well in February, I'm 10 years wrestling, let's get a tattoo to signify because it's a huge chunk of my life. It's my entire life, you know what I mean, now. And I never would have dreamed when I started 10 years ago that I would be where I'm at now, especially in 10 years. You know, I assumed like, oh my God, I'll be, I'll be like old by then and <laughs> I'll be over the hill and done with. So um, obviously everything's closed now for the next little while, but that's my venture is to get my 10 year tattoo. Now, have you thought about what it's going to be and where it's going to be? Yes, I have, but I'm not going to give any spoilers. No spoilers, okay. <laughs> it's cheesy, though. I'll tell you that. It's cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, without being in the ring uh, for this long, uh, after having done it for so many years, 
how is it good in a way that you've given your body a chance to heal? I mean, do you feel better now physically than you have in a while? Definitely. Like I have for the last like two or three years, I remember I think about like seven or eight years ago in training, I jumped off the top rope and I landed on my ankle really bad and it just never healed right. Do you know what I mean? Like I would do something, I would roll on it and it would just blow up. I remember uh, I had my first hardcore match in my home promotion and it was the same week that I was going to go to the States and Japan for the first time. So I was doing like mania week and I had like three shows of that. And then I was landing home and then flying to Japan the next day. And it was my first time going to Japan. So I was like, this is the biggest, you know, like the biggest career changing, like next level type of thing. And then I did the hardcore match and the same ankle, I rolled on it on my entrance, not even in the hardcore match where I took every bump. I did thumbtacks. I did like, I wanted to do fire. I did like staples to the heads. I absolutely loved that matches. So I was like, I want to do it all. And I'm dancing on my way to the ring and I roll on my ankle and I was like, oh God, this is not a good way to start. <laughs> this is my first hardcore match. And ever since then, it's just, it's something that if I trip over it a little bit, it just swells up. But I've noticed now for the last year, even though I've been running nearly like, I run like three or four times a week and it's fine. And my back is fine. My neck is fine. It's, it's amazing, but it also makes me scared to get back in the ring. I was like, is, is it going to hurt more after this? You know what I mean? Yeah, the the body is is no longer calloused at this point. Yeah, but I also like I was I felt like before before Vegas I was really kind of hitting a new stride in wrestling. Like I was training, obviously with the excitement of what the year was going to bring with Ring of Honor. I was training at home more than ever and harder than ever, just like prepping for the year ahead. And just even from last year, I had put like a lot of work into getting as good as I can and it became so natural if you get me like it was part of the routine and my cardio was better my movements were better and it's it really kind of upsets me now to think like oh how long is it going to take to get back to where I was with like ring position you know just everything that had started sure. to come so naturally and and flow and I had gotten so used to it I just want to I'm so scared that when I go back, like, oh my God, I'm going to be blown up or, oh my God, it hurts so much or, oh, I can't do this anymore. You know what I mean? But I think their regular fear is that anyone that hasn't wrestled in a year is going to be, would be feeling, you know? Absolutely. I, I love that story, by the way, of you have a hardcore match and the injury <laughs> that you come out of the match with is rolling your ankle on the entrance. Oh my, that is, look, just that, that, that just shows how hard I hit that dancing on that entrance. <laughs> <laughs> I give it my all every time. And then I had the, uh, I had a match the next day and it was like, it, and I was in the main event cause I was in the main event for it as well. And like, I had the women's belt at the time. And I remember I had to drop it because I was going to Japan. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm so injured. What am I gonna do? Uh, and then I was like, okay, I need to wrestle, but I also need to relax because I'm going to America and Japan next week. So I managed to just kind of be like, right, okay, well, we'll do an injury angle, but then I'll come in. And then adrenaline kicked in and I was able, like, as soon as I was out there, even though it hurt and it was like the size of a watermelon, I just kind of flew through it. And then I had like three days to rest. And by the time I got to the States, it was fine again. It just, it, I was like, oh, I'm grand now. Just wrapped it up and went through it's probably not the best healing method to go yeah. with like just wrap it up and go on but uh it got me through so i was okay 
Well, since you brought up the uh, the hardcore matches and such, I, I, I was going to ask you about that later on, but since you brought it up, I'll ask it now. Uh, the first time you do one of those, I mean, mm-hmm. what is the feel? Like, because you don't know you can do it, I guess, until you do it. Yeah. What's going 100%. through your head as you know you're about to enter the ring and literally get hit with, you know, like you said, get, you know, a staple gun to the head. And yeah. All those things. Like, what is that like? Is, are you scared? Or is it like, what is it? Is it an adrenaline well, rush? Ad- I think you kind of know before you do it that, like, adrenaline's probably going to get you through it. Um, like, thumbtacks, for some reason, like, a lot of people are kind of like, oh, my God, they're terrifying. I'm like, they're fine. I could roll around in them. And I have done. <laughs> like, I think in last February, I did, a, like, a debt match tournament in England. And uh, mine was, like, a... 40,000 thumbtack match and I was like give us more come on I was like I want more can we throw some other stuff in here and I remember in that same first match though I was like it was around Easter time so I had the uh, brilliant I'm very proud of this idea uh I was like oh how about we get an Easter egg and pour thumbtacks in them and I'll break the Easter egg over your head and they all come out because you know you want that like you want the crowd reaction of oh here's the thumbtacks when you pull out the bag usually but I was like how cool would it be if I smash an easter egg over your head and then just thumbtacks fall out I'm very proud of that one I was like god I need to top that another time but I remember before that match um and we had all the I love the match it's one of my favorite matches I've ever done because it was just so exciting and so different you know what I mean and it was just it's one way of kind of showing yourself as well as other people like that you're willing to put yourself through whatever it takes to have a good match and to have people like just to entertain people, you know? But I remember when we were, I had the, I, cause it was all my idea. Like I begged for the hardcore match and I was like, I, I'm the one, cause I was the only one from Ireland. It was in Ireland and I was the only one from Ireland in the match. So I had to go out and get all the stuff. So I was like, okay, so I need to be the one to sort of know what we're going to need for this. And I want to do the staple gun to the head. And then I just remember right then when we were out there, but I was just, for some reason, started panicking me like, what the hell was I thinking? Why the hell did I want to do this? And I was petrified. And then like, as soon as it was out with my head, it's it's almost like you feel like there's like a gun to your head and you're about to get shot. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm an idiot. Why did I do this? Um, but then it was fine. I was like, oh, that was fun. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm a weirdo that just like, off on pain or something <laughs> i don't know i mean i would think there's got to be a lot of trust well i mean there's trust in every match because you are giving your body to the person you're working with so there's trust but when someone's got a staple gun to your head or hitting you with whatever it is a chair i don't know yeah. if you did the light tubes and that that stuff love too them. but love them <laughs> so if someone's about to bash you like in the head with this i'm i, I assume there has to really be this incredible amount of trust yeah i yeah that's the thing like you're not gonna especially with like light tubes and stuff like that like I'd always kind of ask more experienced debt mattressers that I would know like is there like is there a safe way to you know do it it's like obviously you don't want to get hurt but you don't you want it to look good you know what I mean it's it's about finding that middle ground because like I don't see like I don't want to go out there and end up cutting a vein and everybody's uncomfortable you know what I mean I want to like just give enough that it's like people are happy with it. Do you know what I mean? But it's everyone's safe because it's just, it's not fun anymore. If someone gets hurt, you know what I mean? It's right. a risk, isn't it? Have you seen David Arquette's death match? Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> uh, like 
I got obsessed with David Arquette after after I seen that I was like I want to debt match with David Arquette and I used to always tweet him that and he'd always reply being like no more debt matches for me and then when I was at Ring of Honor uh, I actually finally got to meet him and took taking like a photo with him and everything like that and uh, I was like yes yeah, so we're still on for that debt match and he was like no <laughs> yes we, we, we had David Arquette on the podcast a while back oh yeah like I was like I will get him I will get him around to it I will get him around to it he will have that debt match with me one day <laughs> well I was going to ask you do you feel like you've gotten the death match thing out of your system or do you want to do more I want to do so many more especially after this year do you know what I mean like if anything I feel like this year has just been a break and now it's time for round two of wrestling you know what I mean like I'm ready to I want to do everything I don't think there's anything else I know to coming back because after having a year off the shelf and without like out of your control it just makes you more hungry it makes you want to come back and literally have as many experiences as possible because we've sat in our in our houses for the last year so when we're not forced to do that anymore everything's going to be 10 times better do you know what i mean so i'm going to enjoy the debt matches 10 times more i'll do crazier <laughs> stuff because i'll be like yeah let's do it let's everybody wants this excitement everyone wants this bit of fun like i'll have no fear anymore so that's definitely top on my list when things come back is as many debt matches as possible wow. hint hint ring of honor <laughs> <laughs> well good luck with that i would say um <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I'm going to ask this next question. I don't want it to sound sexist, okay? Okay, no worries, but don't worry. <laughs> guys doing death matches, you know, it's going to leave marks on your body. It's going to leave yeah. scars. And for a guy, it almost feels like, well, that's like, you know, a badge, a badge of honor. honor. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but for an attractive woman, do you not worry about scarring up your face and scarring up your body? Well, yeah, you definitely would. Um, I remember, like, before I'd even, like, done death matches or whatever, but uh, a couple of years ago, I was in a tag match somewhere in England, and I just, it was me and a guy against two other guys. And I just did a simple dive, like a suicide dive that I do every match, all the time. And I just went out through the ropes, and my head ended up, like, knocking against the guy, my eyebrow against his eyebrow. And uh, it just started gushing blood. I think this is where I got my like blood, <laughs> like where I was like, yeah, I, like, I want to bleed in matches. But um, whatever it was, like the part of my eyebrow that it was, it just ended up gushing. So, and I remember it was all in my eye. And for a split second, I was like, oh my God, did I lose an eyeball? Because <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> see. And I was like, once I knew I was okay, and like, I was like, okay, I still have my eye. <laughs> and I just saw the blood and uh with the guy that I was wrestling, like it was a brawl kind of match. So he brought me to the back just to wipe it out of my eye. And I was like, yeah, let's keep going. But then after I noticed I have like a scar on my eyebrow and I was like, oh my God, I'm deformed. <laughs> like no one's going to look at me. How do I hide this? But then like, as it went on, I people would be like, oh, what's that scar on your eyebrow? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm tough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm a, a death match. Yeah, I'm a death match I'm a debt match wrestler, guys. That's where that's from. Uh, yeah, so I don't, like, it's kind of the same with the tattoo idea. It's like, what's something that's going to, like, if it's worth it, it's worth it. You know, obviously you don't want to, like, affect yourself too much. But I've had a few scars, at least, you know, turn around to your kids one day. It's like, oh, mom, how'd you get that? Well, let me tell you, kids, <laughs> your mom's badass. <laughs> <laughs> the uh so you mentioned that uh your eyebrow getting busted open like that's the spot right where like if if you know if somebody wants to bleed hard way 
Isn't that yeah. like the spot they go for, like right around the I eyebrow? I think so. Yeah, I think so. And like that's the thing; it just happened to me naturally, and that's where my get yeah. matching was born. Like <laughs> I was like, because ah. it didn't even like hurt. You know what I mean? I was just like, it was just like a knock of the head, but it just whatever way it hit, it just. And I was like, I, you know, a lot of people were like, "Oh my god, is she is she dying?" And I was like, "No, I'm fine. <laughs> Let's keep going, guys." <laughs> All right, well, before we take our first break, I'm going to drop some breaking news on you. So you don't even know about this. Um, as, you, as you probably know, we're doing our Ring of Honor Awards voting, where we ask fans to vote in various categories. And I could tell you at this point, uh, we're, we're closing up the voting and that the winner for the Female Wrestler of the Year is Session Moth Martinez. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that is phenomenal <laughs> oh my god that's a great like i think i'm actually gonna cry <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> that's uh, like the fact that i'm only there i pretty much have just been there online all year just doing little videos and stuff like that and i've only gotten the chance to wrestle what like twice yeah oh that's amazing it just makes me so excited for when we can come back though i think it just goes to prove ring of honor fans fancy like Martina. everyone fancy Martina. <laughs> what can you say that's uh, well, it's we're only natural, guys. It's only natural. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to take our first break, and then we'll be back with more with the 2020 ROH Female Wrestler of the Year, Session Moth Martina. <laughs> Experience the show that's thrilling critics and fans. ROH TV. The reviews are in. It's completely different than anything in pro wrestling. I enjoyed every minute of this show. ROH TV delivers. Valiant Saint Raves. Take my money. This was awesome. Join the ROH stars for the hashtag WatchROH Watch Party every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is the 2020 ROH Female Wrestler of the Year. I'm going to say that every time now when I introduce you. Please, just say it every sentence, every (laughs) sentence. I just want to hear it all the time. (laughs) Well, you made a great point before we went to the break that you've only had two matches in Ring of Honor because obviously for the pandemic, for a variety of reasons. Um, Let me talk to you about when you first signed with Ring of Honor because word got out, I think it was in like September, that you would sign, which immediately it got people buzzing on the internet. Like, this is great. This is a great signing for Ring of Honor. But then we didn't see you until February. Yeah. Uh, can you just talk about, you've probably talked about this before, but why there was a delay? Uh, yeah, well, so I think like around the whole time of Ring of Honor, like the way it all kind of came about was crazy because how I first kind of got introduced to Ring of Honor was like, um, I was in Australia and I met someone, uh, they were doing New Japan, they were prepping for their New Japan tours. And so obviously the person just seen me and kind of was like, you're interesting. And, you know, we might like, I might try try and see if we can put you in contact with Ring of Honor. And me like just being like, oh my God, that's amazing. But I didn't think it would actually happen. And then as I was leaving Australia, I um, got an email to do a WWE tryout. And I was like, okay, cool. That's cool. I have that like in the books. And then the email came in and stuff like that. But again, I just kind of was like, I don't know if this is actually going to happen, but this is a great step. And then I did the tryout and everything like that. And I was pretty like, okay, this is it. And then 
it just kind of came around more with Ring of Honor then. And then I had this like decision. I pretty much had the two in my hand and I was like, what do I do? What do I do? And I thought long and hard about it. And I was just like, you know what? I think like I really, I just in my gut, I just felt like I think Ring of Honor is where I'm going to go. You know, I was like, how many people from Ireland can say that they've been to Ring of Honor? Do you know what I mean? It's very, it's very the path not chosen here in like European wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty sure I'm the first Irish person signed to Ring of Honor. I think that's right. Yeah. And I think I might be the first European, European woman signed. Obviously, I know you've used European women on the tours and stuff like that, but I think I might be the first European signed. So to me, that's such a, oh my God, like, you know, you're doing something that you're setting a trail. No one else has done it. And um, it was just so exciting. So then I'd made the decision and it, it did start to leak and everything like that. And I remember it was really funny because I remember the day it started to leak online, which was in September, that, but it was the same day that John Cena followed me <laughs> back <laughs> after I was like, campaigning all year being like John Cena follow me you fancy me you fancy me I love you so I remember I was on my way to training and I looked at my phone and loads of people were tweeting me being like oh rumor is Seshmoth's going to Ring of Honor and I was like I don't know if I can't really confirm this yet because we like you know we still it's not uh, like official official yet because we still have to wait on the visa pretty much and but yeah it was just kind of like yeah that so I kind of focused on the John Cena thing but I was like today's been a great day guys what can I say <laughs> sort of given like little hints but uh yeah then pretty much the only reason the visa took so long was I had from the start of the year I was booked to do my uh tour in stardom at the end of the year so by the time the visa stuff had like rolled in I was in Japan so it was like oh I can't really do this from here so I kind of had to wait until I got home but then it once I got home it was it was pretty much like straight away. I think I think I landed home from Japan and booked my appointment with the embassy that morning. I literally hadn't even slept. I was like, book so I can get this, like get this done. And I got lucky. I got like the spot like two days later and then it was like, okay, here we go. Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> well, there was definitely some anticipation built up. I mean, that's, that's yeah. a good way to look at it. it was, there was anticipation. Yeah. People really were clamoring to see you. Uh, so let's talk about that first match. It was at Free Enterprise in Baltimore against Sumi Sakai. And this was actually a large crowd. We played the uh, UMBC Event Center, Packed House. What was that whole experience like for you? This is your first match in Ring of Honor, uh, oh, coming man. out in front of that crowd, and you're facing Sumi, a veteran you know, who wrestled in the first Women of Honor match in Ring of Honor history. So what was that whole experience like for you? Can you actually ask for a better debut, like against someone like Sumi? Like, I, it just, it gives me chills to even think about it. I just remember the whole weekend just feels like a fairy tale. Like, it feels like a dream at this point, looking back on it. Like, I'm like, did that actually happen? That happened, right, guys? <laughs> but I like, because I went, I remember I went a day early to do um, like media stuff and we went to like the children's hospitals and stuff. And I just couldn't believe that. I was like, this is my job. This is amazing. Do you know what I mean? We were playing basketball with kids in school. And I was just like, this is heavenly. Like, and everybody was so nice. I remember walking into the uh, venue and just being gobsmacked. I looked, I took a photo on my phone. It just had all the ring of honor everywhere. And it's just one of those moments where you have to pinch yourself and be like, I'm here. I'm at ring of honor. Like, give this to me 10 years ago. 
and I die. <laughs> Do you know, it's just something you never ever realistically thought would happen. And then you find yourself there and it's, you have to take in every second of it. But I remember being so nervous because obviously it's terrifying anytime you go anywhere new, uh, and you, ha- you like you're meeting loads, loads of new people. You want to make sure you make a good impression. You want to have as good of a match and everything like that. I was so calmed by everything because everybody was so friendly. It was like you've been there the entire time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like no, like everybody's so welcoming. Everybody's just nice. Has a laugh with you. It was great. Obviously, I knew Mark Haskins very well as well from from being over here and stuff like that. So he definitely took good care of me because I talked to him. I wrestled him a few weeks before in Ireland. But like, I remember before our match, we sat down, I was just asking him everything. And he really put me like at ease. It got me really excited for it because he was like, this is the best place I've ever been in my life. Like, you're going to love it. Everybody's so nice and everybody's so accommodating. And he's like, you've got nothing to worry about whatsoever. Like, and just tell me to be myself and all that kind of stuff. So it was obviously great having people that I kind of knew quite well. And I'd met a lot of people, obviously, from when I was in the States and when they've been over here. So it wasn't too scary in that regard. I wasn't like, I'm quite shy normally when I'm, first meet people especially in like something like going somewhere like ring of honor like it's a big deal i'm like this is huge i'm gonna be a bit nervous i'm gonna be scared so usually i'm very loud backstage and i'm joking laughing running around but i was very like oh my god what's it gonna be like oh my god i have to be a bit like i'm gonna be quiet and stuff but i was actually i got i felt comfortable straight away i was able to like just start being myself and start telling jokes and (laughs) you know what i mean just as if i was friends with these people for years and uh I'll never forget then when I was, when I like my music started playing and I walked out and hearing cheers, I was like, I've never wrestled in Baltimore before. Right. And this is my first time at Ring of Honor and people know me and people are cheering. You know what I mean? I was like, it's one of them moments where you just have to pinch yourself and go like, do you, I think sometimes you don't even realize yourself what that other people would know who you are and stuff like that. Like you, I don't know my reach in a way. Like I have fun on Twitter. I just put up joke tweet, tweets all the time and stuff like that. But you sometimes you don't get the extent of how far it can go until you get somewhere like Ring of Honor and you hear people cheering for you. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Like I still can't get over the experience of it. It's it's one thing I've definitely like clung on to this year to kind of keep me keep me sane, knowing that like okay, well it's coming back. You, you're gonna, you're gonna get back there and it's gonna be it's going to be like no time has passed. <laughs> right. Well, I think you made a great point too about the locker room. And I've said this before on the show, amazing. It's not just saying it because we work for this company, but it really is an amazing locker room, not just it's, from a talent standpoint, but just from a attitude standpoint. And yeah. I see where, yeah, when someone new comes in like you, they are, everyone's very welcoming. Cause like now you're part of the team and you're going to help. Yeah. Make, you're going to help make the team better. There's no like, Oh, who is she? She's going to take my spot. I've None never of seen any of that. Absolutely. Like that was even a thing I was kind of like worried about in a way, because it's like, I don't know what I'm very used to like Brit rest locker rooms and Irish locker rooms and stuff. And then I got used to Japanese ones. I was like, I don't know what I'm going into here. Like I've never experienced this kind of thing before. And, uh, I walked in, I was like, this is amazing. Like it's everybody was just so friendly everybody's working together and yeah. I remember like everyone talking about how Ring of Honor is a family it only took me one stay there to see that that is so true you know what I mean everybody is so close and everybody wants to help each other everyone's give advice everyone everyone's friends you know what I mean it's it genuinely is a family I think it's also so cool that you had an offer from WWE you had these two yeah. offers and you know I guess there's a feeling there's a lot of people who 
might be like, wow, you had a chance to go work for the biggest company. Why wouldn't you take it? But yeah. And maybe there was a point in time in years past when it would have been a no brainer to go to WWE for a lot of people, but you're not the yeah. first person who in recent years who's had a choice and chose ring of honor, which I think is, is very cool. Can you just go into maybe a little bit more like what was the deciding factor for you when you're looking at it, you know these two offers on the table? Yeah, it was, it was, it was so surreal uh, because on like, because I was at it just the way it happened, the way it, panned out because I had obviously done the tryout and everything like that and I kind of had a like kind of knew I was I was set you know what I mean as in like all right okay they were like oh well, you'll hear from us in a in a couple of weeks but you know it looked good and I was like okay and I had my own reservations in a way like I've spent ten, like I've spent been wrestling 10 years but I've spent the last like good five years wrestling as Martina so like Martina is very important to me, you know what I mean? I've managed to take a character based from myself, but build it to a point where I remember when I first started Martina and it got really popular in Ireland, everybody was kind of like, yeah, it's a great gimmick. It's really funny. Um, but it has a shelf life and it will probably get old after two or three shows. And that just never happened. Which I'm so grateful for <laughs> And obviously I work quite hard to keep things fresh and try and, like stuff like with the debt matches or trying comedy matches or serious matches like I do try and keep it fresh for myself as well as everybody watching me you know what I mean so but I had built Martina up to the point where she started breaking out in England and then before you know it I went to America and then I got to go to Japan and then I got to go to Australia so I'd hit so many places with this character that I never thought I would and not many people from Ireland have managed to do that in such a short space of time either. So I was like, okay. And obviously the main basis of this is uh, it's my character. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not, I'm not going out there saying I'm the best wrestler in the world or I'm, you know, I'm unbeatable and this, that, and the other it's character. It's an original character. It's, I remember someone saying to me, you're probably, if you were to talk about who is, the biggest female comedy wrestler you would instantly say me because there's not that many female comedy wrestlers that you can think offhand so the fact and like this person said it to me it's like this is your niche like this is what's making you so special and getting you so far so a lot of it was about me wanting to keep as true to Martina as I could not only just for the fact that like I had really fallen in love with what I was doing, like all the shows that I was doing, the freedom of being Martina and be, like, say, like drinking and, you know, being flirty and grinding on people and like just having jokes and, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. And just like, I guess the way you can kind of put it is it's very attitude era. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what I try and kind of just that risky, but fun yeah. kind of aspect to it. And I was like, and in a way, I think that's why it got popular is because it's, it's, something that people my age remember from when they liked from the time that they were probably the biggest wrestling fans you know what right. i mean when things were a bit risky so it's like about pushing that like envelope a little bit so that was just something that i really really wanted to consider when the two came hand in hand and i remember i was leaving a show in england and i got on the flight before i got back to dublin and i got an email from wwe being like hey we'd like to speak tomorrow at like four o'clock i was like oh wow okay like that's 
wow. And then uh, I got on the flight and then 40 minutes later, I landed in Dublin and I had the email from Ring of Honor and they were like, we talk tomorrow at seven o'clock. And I just, I text my trainer and I was like, I have a phone call with two of the biggest companies in the world tomorrow on the same day. Like, <laughs> what's life? <laughs> like, to me, that's, like, that's no matter what happens, even if I quit tomorrow, that's probably one of the hugest things that's ever happened to me in my life. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I guess it was just, it was kind of perfect in a way as well, because it was able to like take the two things side by side, you know, lists of pros and cons and see, okay, well, which is going to be better for me? Which is gonna, which is gonna like honor Martina the best? Pretty much is was my deciding factor, because like when I had the phone conversation, I remember I just kind of asked a few like feeler questions. I was like, "Is beer okay?" And they were like, "Yeah, of course. We already have plans for you with the Bruisers." I was like, "Oh, sick!" <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, "Yeah, that's great." Like, and um, so even just that alone, like beer is such a it, it, it's like eighty five percent of my gimmick. You know what I mean? And so it was just like. Things like that, I guess it was just like on paper, it was, I want to stay as true to Martina. And of course the road less traveled aspect was a big one too, because it's very, a load of people here have been very, very lucky to go to NXT UK, which is great. And I had a really great time training with them and doing the, the triad and stuff like that. It was just kind of a case where I was like, okay, well, this is something unknown. I don't know what to expect here as much. So that's just a little bit more exciting for where I am right now. Right. Do you know what I mean? And like the idea of like traveling all over the States and getting to see all these places that I'll probably never get to see in my lifetime. Do you know what I mean? And to get to do it, doing what I love wrestling, you know what I mean? Like it's just, to me, it just seemed like it was a dream. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Let me ask you about your other match in Ring of Honor, since there's only been two to this point. We know there'll be a yeah. lot more in the future. But your second match was uh, against Angelina Love, which yeah. was a few weeks after your match with Sumi. I yeah. had heard you say on an interview before that one of the things that made you become a wrestling fan is that you went to a TNA show and, um, and you saw Angelina Love on the show. Yeah, yeah so, this is, that's, I actually, I swear to you, if this came up in my memories today, that is this day 10 years ago. Really? I'm not even joking. I am not even joking. It was either today or yesterday because I came up in my memories that I went to TNA like this day or yesterday 10 years ago. And that's when I first, I remember I met people from the Irish wrestling scene and I decided like, oh yeah, I'm going to give this a go because my boyfriend was was there and he was started doing it as well. So he introduced me to all the people and then we're like, yeah, let's do this. And we went to TNA and saw Angelina Love. Cause I remember before I went to do my first uh, Ring of Honor show, I remember thinking like, oh my God, I've seen like half the people I'm going to be working with. I saw at TNA the first time I kind of decided I'm going to be a wrestler. Right. <laughs> it's just stuff like that just makes it mean 10 times more to you. Yeah. That was going to be my question is you go as a fan, you fall in love with wrestling, you get involved that you know, because of that experience, there's Angelina Love, who's already, she's a big star in the business at that point. Fast yeah. forward 10 years, you're in the ring looking across and there's Angelina Love, who's now a peer of yours. Exactly. And as well, the place I first saw that TNA show uh, went on to be like my Irish promotion's biggest, it, the National Stadium. It's like our like WrestleMania uh, every year. And I remember thinking, 
back when I did shows in that venue. Oh my God, I remember I came to TNA here to, and I saw like all these people. I think Mark Haskins might've been on that show, that TNA show as well, which I thought was amazing. So it's like, oh my God, he's like, I'm eight now. Like we see him all the time. <laughs> but uh, so it's, that was the first place I went to see that show. And then yeah, end up wrestling Angelina Love. It's just like, it's like that show, that TNA show is like, this is a glimpse of your future. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, what was going to be part of your future was a match with Nicole Savoy. Oh, I was so was, excited about it. I was going to say it was supposed to take place uh, at the 18th anniversary show. Um, how much were you looking forward to that? How disappointed were you that that didn't happen? As I said earlier, like remember I was training so hard and I, ha- I was so excited about that match, but I had so many ideas and I was training so hard that week coming back to be like, I want this to be groundbreaking. Like I was like, I just want to put everything I can. Cause it's such a, it was going to be such a big show. There was such an hype and an atmosphere just leading up to it. And I was just like, Oh, I want it. I'm going to try and make this as funny and as technically good as possible. I was like, there's so much to work off with Nicole. Cause she's genuinely someone I remember I met her at shimmer like the year before. And I was like, God, she's so good. I really, I like, I'm, she's always been on my list of someone that I really want to wrestle. So obviously then when we get there and we find out the shows are canceled and she's not even there, I'm just like, oh, like all these, this training that I was doing, how excited I was, I was planning it all. And now it's not here. So to be fair though, it's definitely the match that I have wait, like that's the match I'm waiting for. It's like, if this is, 10 nearly 12 months in the making who knows <laughs> but I'm, com- I'm coming for you girl <laughs> well let me ask you one other question about that whole weekend I, and I, I know again you've probably told the story but everybody's got a story about yeah. this weekend um and I, I think the people that were coming from overseas have the most interesting story you know we talked to Slex about it Adam Brooks mm. uh, so what was your story? You, you got on the plane, you landed in Vegas, right? And then did you find out like as soon as you landed, this is not happening? What was your story? So like, I remember I, when I was at training that the last time I was at training the week before, we had like, we had a big show happening here that I was going to miss. And like, they were like, that's when only the rumors at home, they were kind of like, oh, we might have to cancel. We might have to cancel. And I was like, no, no, it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? And then I remember the, not like the evening before we had to get the flight. I think Trump had put the travel ban on, but Ireland and England weren't in the travel ban yet. So right. we're like, okay, I was, I didn't know what to expect. I was like, I'll go to the airport and I'll see if, they say anything if they stop us or if it's in effect by then we'll see went to the airport everything was fine got on the flight and I was like okay everything seems to be fine I did my first flight and I think I landed in like Atlanta or something and when I landed there and I checked my phone everything was being closed in Ireland everything had shut down everything everything was cancelled and everything was about to go into lockdown I was like oh my god what the hell's this and I was like but then in my head I was like oh well I'll deal with that when I get home (laughs) uh go on and I got on my flight uh to go to Vegas then and I usually buy the internet on the flight but for this one I didn't I was like right I'm just gonna rest and then as soon as I land and I turn my phone on it explodes and it's just all these messages of people like and I was just like say oh it's cancelled everything's cancelled Vegas is shutting down I was like what do I do like what do I do I was like okay I'm just gonna go to the hotel and see what's happening and then yeah we just didn't know what to expect like we got there and I'm just like oh my god like this is so overwhelming like you have the disappointment of 
oh my God, the shows aren't going ahead. What am I going to do? You have the fear of like, am I going to get home? Like, is, is, am I safe? And obviously we didn't, we don't know anything about this really. Like we've only barely been paying attention. We didn't know how serious it was going to be. So we just didn't really know what to do. I was just like, okay, I guess we'll just go and see what the story is. And like a few people had landed in. So we just went and had a few drinks. I was like, okay, well, we'll go tomorrow and see what we can get done. And then after that, it was just, I remember I was meant to stay like an extra two days before I ended up leaving. Cause I was like, okay, things are getting worse, progressively worse. More things are shutting down. I think they closed Vegas the day after, like the day we left yeah. probably because I drank it dry. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I remember just thinking like, I was like, oh, I'm glad I got my flight changed just a day early. Cause I feel like I was just before I would have maybe got trapped or something. Like I didn't, it was just the fear of not knowing. But also at the same time, you're kind of like, it was kind of a thing. It was like, okay, well, this is, this is scary and we don't know what's going to happen. Let's try and enjoy ourselves while we're here at the same time. So we went out and we like, I'd never been to Vegas before. So we went out and we did the strip and we did like, we did like the haunted museum place. Like I'm sure people have seen Mandy Leon's video of it. And it was just, it was wild. It was almost like subconsciously we knew you guys aren't going to get out for another year or so live it up while you can (laughs) and boy did we boy did we it was amazing but the thing that kind of breaks my heart so much about it is as i said from like the first the first uh time i went into the ring of honor locker room and everyone was so nice but you're still shy you don't really know anyone that well and and then you see them again and it's a bit better i feel like vegas really kind of was like cemented like oh like we get on like everybody here is cool and like we're we, we're gonna be friends like we're gonna be really good friends and it's like have such a good a high weekend of so much fun and like so many memories and i was like oh probably won't see you for a year now <laughs> but you know what i mean it's kind of sad because i'm like oh you just just almost made it harder to be away from ring of honor because i miss people now more so so your first show you're shy and don't know what to say and you're quiet by the time you get to Vegas, you're dancing on top of the bar. Three, three shows <laughs> three shows later till the real session mock comes out and she's there dancing in limos. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I, I like I'm shy at first, but it doesn't take long to get me out of my shell. <laughs> I could see that about you. I could definitely see that. <laughs> All right, well, we're gonna take uh, another break and we'll be back with more with the twenty twenty female wrestler of the year in Ring of Honor, Session Mock Martina. I'm Quinn McKay, the host of Ring of Honor's weekly YouTube show, Week by Week. Join me every Tuesday for brand new episodes as we catch up on all of the groundbreaking ROH news and get exclusive comments from some of your favorite ROH stars. We also have some great weekly segments like Question of the Week, This Day in History, and Brian Zane's Top 5. Join me every Tuesday at 1 p.m. on social media and youtube.com slash ring of honor for Week by Week. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is 2020 Ring of Honor Female Wrestler of the Year, Session Moth Martina. She told me I say that one more time. Just say it one more time. I want to hear it. (laughs) She is, as voted by you, the fans, the 2020 Ring of Honor Female Wrestler of the Year, Session Moth Martina. I love it. I love it. (laughs) This is an honor for me, actually, too, to have an award-winning wrestler. On the show. What a, what a I, I think this might be my first award I've ever won. I'm so impressed. <laughs> what a get for the Ring of Honor podcast here. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you about uh, becoming a fan. 
Uh, you mentioned that first show you went to about 10 years ago. That's sort of when you got the bug to want to be involved. But when did you actually become a fan? Were you, were you a kid that discovered wrestling or about what, what time period? Yeah, well, like, uh, it's actually funny. Uh, I'm watching it right now again. <laughs> um, obviously, like, you know, when you're a kid, like when the Attitude Era and Stone Cold, like Stone Cold changed my life. You know what I mean? Like, I remember being a kid and him coming out and just beating up Vince McMahon. The whole Stone Cold Vince McMahon feud is just my pure love of wrestling. And like anything in the Attitude Era, like I was very young, obviously, at the time, but I feel like it influenced me later in life. <laughs> but uh, I was a huge fan as a kid, you know, when it was really popular to be a wrestling fan at the time. But just as it went on, like everybody kind of just generally grew out of it. I think around the time that maybe they changed it to WWE, just people kind of stopped watching it as much. And then when I was like 18, I was hanging out with like my friends one time and we were, uh, we were sitting around and we just started talking about wrestling. And uh, we were just going to walk and we just said, uh, we went back and we put on a DVD of Vince McMahon against, uh, just a Vince McMahon DVD. And it just lit a fire in me. So I remember I went home after that night out and I just said, like, I'm going to watch like more of that wrestling. Like that was really fun watching that last night. And I watched more of it and I watched more of it and I watched more of it. And then I came across Chris Jericho and I just got obsessed. I was obsessed with him. Absolutely obsessed. And yeah, John so Cena's then, gonna be upset to hear this. I know, I know. Well, and he came later, he took my heart later, so don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> I still love you, John. And um, yeah, so then I just I remember I just got really into it and I started watching the current stuff and just the love grew. And it, I didn't realize at the time, obviously, it was gonna change my life. That was about a year, maybe two years before I start. I went to that TNA show <laughs> and met all the wrestling people and decided to be a wrestler. But uh, yeah, ever since then, it's just been my life pretty much. So about 12 years now. <laughs> Are you familiar at all with a female wrestler named Velvet McIntyre? No, I don't, I don't know. Maybe. I'm okay. very bad well, at names. It's, it's not a name that you would probably, I mean, you have to be, I think, of a certain age, but she was from Ireland. She was in WWE before you were born. Like, oh, she was, wow. Yeah, she was uh, in the early, I'd say late 70s to the early to mid 80s. You would and see she's her Irish. In. She's Irish, but I think she then moved to Canada, but I believe uh, she was, okay. now she was billed from Ireland. Was she, re I think she really legit was, but I'm not a hundred percent certain on that. I, yeah, I don't know. I've never heard, I've never heard that name before, but like, I feel like we were actually talking about it with my uh, friend earlier. Was that like back in the day, you don't really like before Seamus and Becky and Finn Balor and stuff kind of flew the flag properly for Ireland. Like there's not, there just wasn't many, wrestlers from Ireland, like it's the idea of being a wrestler from Ireland just it seems so foreign back yeah. when you were at that age when you were a kid it just you'd never think like oh I'm gonna be a wrestler when I grow up and then it happens <laughs> right. so yeah so see I'm I'm old right so I grew up <laughs> watching wrestling in the 80s so I remember Velvet McIntyre as a as a young man as a teenager um you know yeah. when, when puberty's hitting right and a lot of the, it's going to sound sexist again, but I'll just, you know, you got to keep it real on the R.A. Strong podcast. That's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> a lot of the female wrestlers at that point, you know, there was like the fabulous Mola. And yeah. some others. They were kind of these grizzled, you know, rough looking. Uh, and, but Velvet McIntyre was like, she had red hair and she just had this. This is why I thought maybe she was an inspiration for you is because she used to wear a lot of times a leopard print little... <laughs> You know, back then they looked like like one piece bathing suits that they would wrestle. Yeah, 
I love them. I think they're great. Yeah, she had this leopard print. And so the women were like a special attraction. They weren't like somebody you saw all the time. Like they would bring them in every couple of months along with, well, they called them midgets back then. I guess you call them little people now, but it was like, yeah. Every couple of months, here comes the the little people or or the women. You know, I think they called them yeah. girl, girl wrestlers. I think they, you know, the girls are <laughs> on the show. And and Velvet McIntyre would sometimes come in. I just remember as like you know a 13, 14 year old boy. It's like, wow, she doesn't look like a fabulous mula like Velvet. McIntyre. Yeah, but so. like that's part. That is part of the show. You know, especially if you have to remember, you have to respect the era and that the fact that times were different back then. Do you know exactly. what I mean? Like. She probably, she probably was eye candy, but that's how it was back then. And but she could wrestle, you know. though. Yeah, she could wrestle. Yeah, brilliant. Like that's great, and that's just what kind of happens over the years. It's like with the whole women's revolution. Like I feel like that changed everything for wrestling for women. You know what I mean? And yeah. the uh, the aftermath of that has been spectacular. I think Velvet may have even gotten a brief run as the WWF Women's Champion, like in the mid '80s. I think. Oh wow! Double check on that, but. Yeah, I'm going to have to look that up now because I want to want to see. I want to find out if she's actually Irish as well because I always ever only really thought Becky was the only Irish woman. Like kind of before me, there weren't that many. You know, when I started uh, training, uh, obviously 10 years ago, uh, there was just, there was about four girls wrestling in Ireland at the time. Yeah. So now there's a few more. It's still not even like we're a small country, so it's not going to be, we're not going to have like, loads to choose from there's still only about like seven or eight or maybe nine now right and, and she may have been a you know a phony irish woman i you know that was big back in the day is to have you know a native american wrestler but sometimes he would be you know like i don't know the famous chief jay strongbow was actually an italian american named yeah, Bruce Garpella. yeah. He was not really a native american so had a lot of that back then maybe you know velvet mcintyre sounds like a very like worked Irish name like I'm not yeah especially like with the if it's red hair I think even at that time period as well it's like oh you've red hair we'll say you're Irish right you know exactly (laughs) all right well hey I bet you know Velvet has man she has no idea that she's being talked about so much today on the on on the podcast circuit yeah we should tell her (laughs) we'll tell tell her when it comes out we'll be like hey queen (laughs) she's on Twitter and tag her yeah (laughs) Uh, so when you when you started training um what were your goals like did you think to yourself i want to make it to wwe one day or i want to be you know what did you set goals for yourself how far did you think you could take this genuinely i remember the first day i went in trade i remember the first time i found out that there was irish wrestling that there was like an irish wrestling school i looked at like the profile and it was like my first thought was like oh maybe i could be a referee because i was like there's no way i could be a wrestler i was like um very very heavy when I was younger I was like 15 16 stone and and I think around the time I got into wrestling I started to lose a bit of weight but I still wasn't like I I have no fitness I'd be like never ran a day in my life I'd never lifted a thing (laughs) I was like I used to I used to lie in school to get out of p like out of pe I never Fitness, no, not at all. Let, let me interrupt you for one second. For dumb Americans like me, 15, 16 stone, I have no idea what that means. Like, what, oh. what, what does that translate to? This is one of them, uh, like, math oh, questions this. that I'm like, I don't know. It's um, quite heavy. We'll say okay. that. Like, <laughs> we'll just say, um, I don't know how to give an even vague, a vague, I'll just, just say quite a 
robust woman. Okay. <laughs> um, I think I have like photos of myself around 18 on my Instagram and stuff. So if people want to like check out, I had like dark hair and I, uh, you can tell I love the goth music as well. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so I was quite like heavy but I had no fitness but I was really really starting to get into wrestling so I was like oh you know I just want to be in I just want to find out about it I just want to be involved in some way and um, maybe I could be a referee and then uh, I went in and I started like training and I was like you know what this is actually great I need a reason to like get fit and try lose a bit of weight so I only looked at it like oh, I'm going to do wrestling training to lose weight you know what I mean it was like doing a boxing class or something you know what I mean this was going to be my introduction into starting to get a bit fit and healthier and then like that was like six months and then they were like oh we want you on a show and I was like no 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 I'm not ready I don't want to like I remember just saying like I didn't think I was ready but my trainer was going to be in the math with me um, and he was like oh I think you'd be fine I think you'd be grand like we'll take care of you I was like oh okay yeah I'll do it and then I did it and I was like oh my god this is great but again, I think I always had very short-sighted views or short-sighted goals. But every time I'd reach that goal, I'd make another goal. Do you know what I mean? So it started out like, oh, I'm going to do this show. And then I'd be like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then eventually, once I started Martina, that's when it really started to like a fire in me. I was like, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become popular in OTT. And I did. I was like, okay, I'm going to break into England. And I did. I never thought I'd go to Japan. That was one that I was like very kind of been like aware. It's like, oh, well, I'm a character wrestler. Japan is very wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. You have to be a great wrestler. I never thought Japan would even look at me. So when I got the email to go to stardom, I was like, me? What? I'm a character. Like I'm a gimmick and we don't speak the same language. What the hell? <laughs> so I think that for me was definitely like, this is, you know, everybody, every single wrestler dreams of going to Japan. Anyone that says that they don't is lying because it's just such an honorable place to go. It's such a trade, like just a stamp on your CV that you've made it. You know what I mean? Japan is just a dream for any wrestler. So when I went there, it was just like, oh my God, this is, this is insane. That To me, I thought that was going to be it. Like that was going to be, it's never going to get any better than this. Like no way. But and right before that, I got America and I was like, this is amazing. Like, got to do Mania Week. And I feel like the introductions into me, I've done two Mania Weeks um, before. And I feel like they were definitely breakout weeks for me because obviously you get so many fans from all over and there's so many shows. And the more shows you're on, the more place you get seen. And just, again, as I was saying, like I kind of have something that not other people, not many Americans had seen me yet. So when they seen me, they were like, whoa. <laughs> who's it's this is different you know what I mean so I got a lot of love on like Twitter and seemed to get a lot of hype from it so it was just kind of constantly building your little steps as it went so then eventually but like then I got the WB tryout I got to go to Australia and then I got Ring of Honor it's just little things as they come you never expect any of them never expect any of them but you I think somewhere inside you you you're aiming for it you're you're you like you don't think you're going to get it, but you're going to get it. <laughs> That's an awesome story, you know, from getting into it almost with such um, modest Low expectations. <laughs> yeah. Modest, you know, expectations. Maybe mm. I'll be a referee. Maybe this is something I'll do on the weekends to help me lose some weight to exactly. where you are now, which is, uh, yeah, that's a an full, incredible, that's quite a journey. It's oh. it like, I think the fact I still like, sometimes have to say to myself like this is my job this is amazing like especially this year you know what I mean with everything that's going on like you're so lucky 
to have Ring of Honor and that they've been as great as they have been taking complete care of us and making sure we're okay and safe and everything. And like, I'm so grateful for that. And it's, you're, I'm still living the dream, even though I'm at home, <laughs> I'm still living my absolute dream. Sometimes I have to pinch myself and remind myself like, Karen, you're a wrestler, you're work for Ring of Honor. It's okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. I'm going to be okay. We're, we will get yeah. back at some point. It will yeah. happen. It will happen. I, I'm fa- I am fairly, I've got like a strong belief. It'll be like not too long now. I just like, I'm just telling myself that like, I'm, Really, really hope it's soon. I, I hope from from your lips to the wrestling god's ears. Yeah, Let's exactly. <laughs> all about <Yeah>. manifestation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been too long for all of us. You know, I haven't been to a Ring of Honor show since February. You know, it's, oh, man. it's, it's been almost a year because I haven't been yeah. to TV tapings. Because um, even though I'd like to think I'm essential, I've been told I'm not. I'm not essential. <laughs> I don't have to. Oh, how devastating! <laughs> how devastating! So yeah, it's been like 11 months since I've actually been been to a show. So I think we're all kind of feeling that um, withdrawal. It's, yeah, everybody's stuff. everybody wants. But it's the thing is, I keep telling myself like, the longer you wait for it, the better it's going to be when we get it. You know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. You I mentioned stardom, which stardom I find interesting because it is kind of a work centric. Uh, it's all about the in ring for the most part. How did, mm-hmm. did you have to adapt? Did they ask you to adapt your style at all when you were there? This is amazing. Like, this is amazing. So like, I remember my first tour, which was 2018. I was terrified. I didn't have a clue what was going on. I was so scared. And I was like, I don't know, should I focus on my gimmick more here? Should I up it wrestling wise? Um, so the first few weeks when I was there, I was quite ner- like I was quite scared and I was quite nervous. I didn't really know which way to come into it. You know what I mean? And um, I remember like within a week of being there, I got drafted to a way to tie part of their faction, and I had no idea what that meant. I was like, "Wait, they're heels? I'm always a babyface." But I was like, "Oh, but they're heels, but they're really funny." So I was like, "Okay, so I can be funny." And as it went, like each show that goes, you just like, obviously it's very hard with the language barrier. Like they're absolutely lovely and they try to tell you as much as they can. Uh, But you just have to really gauge everything as you go. So it takes a bit of time. But I remember I never felt like anything was really clicking that first tour for a while. I was like, I don't know what it is. I was like, I don't know. It just doesn't, it's very out of depth for me or something. But then my very last match before I went home that tour, I tagged with Natsu. And uh, for some reason, it it was literally, as soon as we got in that ring together, it was like I heard the click and everything just fell into place. We just bounced off each other absolutely perfectly. She's very, like, I don't know what she's saying, but I can tell she's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) And like, she can't tell what I'm saying. And that's half of like our fun together. I absolutely love her. She's a doll and she has very good English as well. But there's something about, like, she kind of adapted herself to me and I adapted myself to her. So we just kind of came out and she started dancing with me. We both did Bronco Busters. So we all, we instantly, for this one tag match, we had tag moves. So then I just remember being like, just having a rush after that last match and just being like, yeah, like this is it. This is what I came to Japan for. And then I left and I got a message like straight away, pretty much being like, oh, do you want to come back in October for Tag League with Natsu? So that was kind of what really kind of clicked it was like, okay, I actually, I have my place here. So it's like, people, they liked our comedy style. They liked the fact that we were joking and messing. Like, 
she started wearing leopard print for the tag tour. We she came out with beer. We started spraying beer on the crowd, and they absolutely loved that. They loved the Bronco Buster. I think like they loved like I learned like the word yapalai, which is drunk in Japan. So I used to say Katsuwa yapalai, and <laughs> saying I'm drunk, <laughs> and uh, it's just I don't know. Everything just kind of came together, and then we did it again last year, and it's just I feel like with Natsu with that tag team. It's, it's just something different on the show as well. I think they do appreciate that because it is that lighthearted match. It is, Natsu obviously is a comedy wrestler there as well. So she is telling jokes and then the two of us together, we even almost kind of make a joke out of the, the trans, like the fact that we don't understand each other. Right. <laughs> like we're just, we're just drinking together. We have no idea what the other person's saying, but we're just drinking and partying together. So that's what really kind of made my, like, and that's why I love it there so much because she just, made me feel at home straight away and I felt it's like I found my godsend of a tag team partner I adore her well so the way it turned out basically instead of you adapting to their style they actually adapted to your character which is awesome yeah yeah I think it's like Japan obviously everyone like it's a known to be a bit of a drinking place so I think they kind of like the the party atmosphere yeah. and then it was like it was, again it's like yeah something different I think Natsu got the chance to be a bit fun and yeah. Like, cause she'd do serious matches quite a lot, but then she was able to show that she can do a lot of comedy wrestling and that she can do all this stuff as well. And it just kind of fit really well. And it, it worked really well against the serious girls. You know what I mean? Like if we're there kind of messing, drinking <laughs> against like girls that are really like tough and are going to beat us up, it just kind of works. You know what I mean? Like, cause they're just going to beat us up when we're drinking. <laughs> right. So like a lot of American men, uh, you know stupid americans like like me i didn't know like when i first heard about like session moth martina i'm like that's a strange name but like what does that mean like i don't even know what that meant i get now it's a, it's more of a an irish term but so yeah. you know we have an irish guy in our office you know we call him irish ian yeah <laughs> Give him a shout out there ian king and um <laughs> and I, I was like what's with, with the, like the session moth? like what's the deal here and he explained it to me like a girl who closes down the bars basically yeah right? i've that, always had that like that's what people kind of said like a lot of americans don't get and i get no. tweets about it all the time as so i was like what does your name mean and i always see it on like trends and stuff and i always say like don't look up google <laughs> don't look it up on google like an urban dictionary because that's not what i'm trying to portray but the general idea so in like in dublin just it was really popular like a couple of years ago where like the whole thing would be like, oh, go on a night out. And a big group of girls on a night out in the bar would be called a load of session moths. They just go out, they drink the bar dry, they just jump at parties. They're the last ones standing at a party, you know what I mean? Like, it's just pretty much, it's the name that we'd always say, like, oh, she's nothing but a session moth, you know? All she cares about is going out and getting drunk, you know? Right. <laughs> so I was like, it actually just fits so perfect for what I can call myself in Ireland for what I want to go with, you know what I mean? Well, it works for you. It definitely yeah, works. it's a, pretty much the easiest way to describe it. It's just like, it's just like a moth to a flame is a girl to a party to right. drink, you know, having a good time. It's the same thing. And in Ireland, boys call their girlfriends their moth. So it's like, oh, she's my moth. Huh. So it's the girl term. <laughs> okay. That's odd. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it, I don't like that. I hate that. I hate like, oh, I'm just here with my moth. It's like, you know, yeah, in England, they call them, they call their girlfriends their bird. Yes, yes. Yeah, that so idea. it's like that. Like the Irish one is, oh, she's my mop. <laughs> yeah, that seems a little uh, 
deprecate. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a yeah, great it's, it's like, but it, it's it's a cool thing in Ireland. I don't know. Huh. We're weird. <laughs> so, what do you call a guy? Like, if you're the moth, what is he? Me fella. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, speaking of fellas, another question I was going to ask you was about uh, when you started training. Now, nowadays, obviously, there's so many more women out there, but you started training like 10 years ago. I'm thinking probably not as many. Were you training with just, was it mostly men? Was it all men? Did you have any girls to train with? Um, pretty, my entire training career has pretty much been with guys. Because as I said, in Ireland, there's just never been that many girls. Right. There's more now than there was. But um, at the time, I was the only girl for, I'd say, about four or five years in my school that I did, which was main stage wrestling. And I remember at the very first few weeks, it was kind of awkward because a lot of the guys didn't really want to, like, they don't want to hurt a girl. They don't know what, how tough you're going to be or whatever like that. So they would always go very light on me until I, I got my best friend in, um, in wrestling. Like he came in and he was like, I'll hit you. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so if it wasn't for him doing that though, if it wasn't him actually treating me, same way he's treating everyone else. I don't think I would have gotten any good. You know what I mean? You don't want to be baby. Like my trainers were all really good though. Cause they'd always say to the other lads being like, look, she's here for the same reason you are. It's a contact sport. She knows that hit her. Like if she's saying she's like, dude, treat her the same way that you're going to treat everybody else. And eventually I got very lucky. Cause like it was a small little group that we had. They all got so comfortable with me that it, it just, it almost got forgotten that I was a girl after a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? It was never, it was never an issue. And then over the years, like other girls would kind of come in. There would be other girls from different parts of the country that I would wrestle on shows, but we wouldn't really get to train together. But for a long part of my career, and especially like in the last more recent years, I wrestled quite a lot of men. Like I'm very strong on intergender wrestling. It's like my position in OTT has always just kind of been like, I'll wrestle both. It's, it's not even a question. It's not even, which I love. It's never like, oh, she's in the women's division. She's not in the women's division. It's She can float and do either, which is an ideal situation for me. Okay. Well, the last question I want to ask you before we take our last break and come back with uh, 10 questions, which I'm eagerly looking forward to. Um, will you move to the States at some point? Do you think? Have you I'm very that? open to it. I'm okay. very open to it. I think especially like after this year as well, it's like, you don't want to be away from this. You know what I mean? Like I made a commitment to want to come to ring of honor. So I guess it's just kind of waiting to see what happens really. Like if, you know, the world goes back to normal and the schedules there to make it worth moving, I will move a hundred percent, hundred percent. I don't know where I'd move to yet. Though. Like that would be the exciting thing. And that's the thing I kind of have a bit of hope again for the future where it's like, you don't know what's in store when things get back to normal. Like, the fact that I could move to the States is amazing. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, I've never, I remember as a kid, I'd never been to America before and I always idealized it from watching it in movies and you know, you'd see all that kind of stuff. And it was always somewhere I wanted to go. And I always just thought like, oh, I'll never go. I'll never actually even save up and go on a holiday. I just know myself, I won't. And then I've been there for wrestling a fair few times now. So it's pretty great. So the idea that I could get to live there based on wrestling again i don't think i wouldn't want to say no to the opportunity well we'd love to have you here in the states that's for sure <laughs> you, could, you, you could be on these uh, next set of tv tapings if you were here 
So yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I think it's so hard right now. Obviously, you're just sitting at home and yeah, everybody's there and doing everything. And like you're you're very aware. Like if 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 it became a thing where it like that's the only way forward because of everything going on in the world, hundred percent. Well, Baltimore is, as you know, the uh, home base for Ring of Honor. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, if you're interested in Baltimore, I could certainly point you in the right direction since where it's where I've lived most of my life. But I'll be honest with you, it's not New York. It's not Los Angeles, not Vegas. Yeah. There are probably more exciting places you could go to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember I did get to stay in Baltimore for like a couple of days. We got to do a little bit of sightseeing. And I think I saw all the, like, I think I saw like two places and they were like, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> But Did you I, haven't done the, I haven't done the bars yet, so you're going to have, like, that. that's next. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could tell you, the, I could point you in the direction of the Fells Point District. That's probably where you'd, where you'd want to be for the bars. So, did you yeah. go to the Inner Harbor when you were in town? Yeah, yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah, well, we just had a the harbor. Yeah, right, I didn't get to go to any bars or anything like that yet, and that's one thing I really want to do, just to kind of sit. That's how you'll know if you want to live somewhere. If they have a good bar scene, then that's when I'll make my decision on <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, I used to be in the Fells Point scene back in the day, but as I said, I'm an old man now and I stay home and, and don't go out. I'm old too, but I'm still going out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not as old as I am, but well, that's <laughs> the other thing you could do is you could always take in a Baltimore Ravens football game. Oh man. I watched the, uh, I watched the last dance at like the start of the quarantine period. And I was like, when I go back to the States, I am getting ring of honor people to bring me to a basketball game. That's like number one on my list. Yeah. I was like, I want to go see a basketball game. And everybody has said, when I put that up on Twitter, they were like, we'll take you. Don't worry. We'll know the good ones. We'll make you a fan. So I'm very excited. I really want to get into American sports when I'm there just to see the hype. I want to go to an American football game. I just want to understand it all. All right. Well, I, I got the hookup for the uh, American football game. Yeah, that's, um, that'd be great. I can't yeah. wait. <laughs> you like, do you like the color purple? Sure. Who doesn't? <laughs> all right. All right. Because, yeah, that's the, that is, that's the Ravens colors, black and purple. Okay. Yeah, okay. don't wear the uh, leopard print. You're going to have to teach me everything yeah. when I get over it. You don't want to wear the leopard print to there because we have one of our rivals is the Cincinnati Bengals. And if you Ooh. come to Baltimore and that, people might think you're a Bengals fan. Oh no! Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, have to get per. Yeah. I'll get purple leopard print gear for Baltimore, especially then. <laughs> yeah, always yeah. wear. Yeah, you know, I mean, you don't want to look like you're pandering, but yeah, maybe subliminally, yeah. if you wear purple, people in Baltimore would they would get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're gonna take our final break, and then when we come back, we're gonna play ten questions with the 2020 Ring of Honor Female Wrestler of the Year. Right after this. How do I watch ROH TV? Start by visiting ROHWrestling.com and using our zip code lookup tool to find your local listings. We aren't in your area? Don't worry. You can catch us on digital channels such as Stadium and Stir City as well as Fight.tv. ROH TV also airs every Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on Best on the Planet, our newly launched 24-7 streaming channel, which is available on Stir and Plex. The newest episode of ROH TV is always free on ROHWrestling.com and the Ring of Honor app. Ring of Honor has never been easier to watch. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest, as you may have heard, is the 2020 Ring of Honor Female Wrestler of the Year, Session Moth Martina. Martina, are you ready to play a round of 10 questions? Only after you say that introduction one more time, because I can't get sick of hearing it. <laughs> she is the 2020 Ring of Honor Female Wrestler of the Year, as voted on by you, the fans of Ring of Honor, she is the lovely, the talented Session Moth Martina. Oh, I love it. I yeah, love it so added much. A little, I added a little extra for you that time. Yeah, I know. I was like, you're just milking it now, but I took, yeah, I'm all, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. 
And it is now time for 10 Questions with Kevin. All right. Question number one. What's something on your bucket list? To go to a basketball game in America. Okay. So we just, yeah, we just got and now an uh, American football game. All the American uh, sports okay. turn me into a jock. <laughs> All right. Maybe baseball as well. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. Well, again, just uh, for Baltimore-wise, our football team's really good. Our baseball team is not very good. Uh, and we don't have okay. a basketball team. So. Okay. Okay. Well, 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 it depends on the different places that Ring of Honor are in for. So yeah. I'll see what's popular there. So you guys can just, like, you guys can edge me in slowly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, as well, I said, I'm not very smart. <laughs> well, we, we have a basketball team down the road in Washington, D.C., about an hour. Okay. From so there you go. But yeah, there's lots of different movies you could you could find. Okay. Yeah. Question number two. See, I think you've already answered this, but try to come up. It was going to be, what's the subject you'd like to know more about? So let me rephrase it. Other than American <laughs> sports, what's the subject yeah. you'd like to know more about? Well, this kind of touches on what we were talking about earlier about how like geography is my Achilles heel, yeah. <laughs> and how people just ask me questions like the Joe Hendry uh, te- uh, questions. I'd say history. That's one thing that when I'm saying I watched The Crown during quarantine and stuff, I'm trying to actually get these facts into my head for once and for all. So I'd like to kind of, I've kind of used a bit of time to try and learn a bit of history. So then when I'm in these conversations at the after these shows with people and I don't say something stupid, I might be actually able to say something smart <laughs> about history. <laughs> okay. Question number three. What's something popular that you don't see the appeal of? It's popular, but you just don't get it. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I don't know, like in America, I know it's not as big, but football in like Ireland, UK, the guys are obsessed with football. I mean, I look at my Twitter timeline and it's just people going on about it and on about it. It's soccer, I think you guys call it. <laughs> I was going to say, you're, you're not talking about our football, right? You're no, talking no, about no, soccer. like soccer. But yeah. it's just every guy, I mean, the amount of times I've just been on road trips and they just be sitting there talking about football. I'm like, I don't get it at all. You're just lads, you're obsessing about They're good this day, they're not. I just don't understand it at all. I'll never get my head around it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you as, as an American. Um, although soccer is growing in popularity here, it's still yeah. not on the level of like American football or like the sports we mentioned, baseball. Like, I don't get it. I think it's kind of, you know, I'm probably going to uh, insult all of our international <laughs> listeners here, but I find soccer very boring. Yeah, not so do I. Boring. But the thing is, the way these guys feel about soccer is the way you, Americans feel about like American football. They're obsessed with it and it's like everything to them. And I'm just like, no, I don't get it. <laughs> kind of the same MMA as well, which is surprising. I know everybody's kind of into MMA. I'm not really that big into it. I just kind of, I've, it, it's not as dramatic as wrestling to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I agree. I agree with you on yeah. that. All right. Question number four. Other than John Cena, who is, do you have a celebrity crush? Because we already know John Cena. There's got to be like a list. Cena, who else is on there? I'm a one man woman. <laughs> <laughs> I've got eyes for one man, one man only, and I can barely ever see him when I when, even with that. And okay. um, I'm gonna say, oh wait, I'll say Suzuki as well, Minoru Suzuki. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Just out of sheer respect for the man. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's a tough man, and no question yeah, about. Yeah, he's that. he's scary, but I was brave enough to grind on him, so 
That is cool. <laughs> Tell you what, you walk into a bar with Suzuki, you know you're you're okay. You're not yeah, going to yeah. any bar. I think it's the like that might be the only time Suzuki's afraid because he'd actually have met his match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Question number five: If you could have a conversation with any person, past or present, alive or dead, who would it be? Oh wow. These are deep questions, aren't they? Yeah, I was like, these are like life questions that, you know, I should be using the last year to think about, but I haven't. Uh, <laughs> um, like, this just goes to show how, like, small-minded I am, but I was only thinking this today. I was like, how much I want Stone Cold Steve Austin to notice me. So I'm going to say Stone Cold Steve Austin. I want him to notice me so bad. He's my uh, inspiration for beer, like everything about Session Mont Martina has come from come from Stone Cold. So I'm gonna say I want so I wanna have a conversation with Stone Cold and get him to okay. fancy me. <laughs> and, and, and maybe if not Stone Cold, maybe Velvet McIntyre. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, question number six. What's the first concert that you attended? Blink one eighty two when I was oh, okay. thirteen There's years of age. Yeah, and yeah, and the thing is that's still my music taste at this day. Like, you know, it's all about nostalgia, but I love all that pop punk kind of stuff still. I fell out of it for a few years, but I'll never forget the feeling of going to your first concert. And Blink-182, love them, love them. <laughs> All right, question number seven. Are you a dog person, a cat person, both or neither? Absolutely adore dogs, absolutely adore dogs. I want to like cats, but cats don't like me. No, they don't like anybody. <laughs> what? I don't think they like anybody. No, well, like, I remember I was staying at a friend's house before and they had a cat in the same room and it just, it kept me up all night because it was almost like teasing me and taunting me by like, I might jump on you, I'm, I'm around you, I'm not going to let you sleep, every time you drift off, I'm going to pop up on your bed. And I was like, <laughs> you know what you're doing, I know what you're playing at here. Whereas dogs are just so lovable and they're just so cute and, oh, I just, I love them. <laughs> yeah, we're on the same page on that. I, I've yeah. never gotten, never gotten cats really. But... Do you want a really sad story though? Uh, about dogs yes i have not had a dog since i was about 10 years of age because my last dog died on christmas day oh that is that's Got run over on christmas day and his oh, name no. was snowy it's just so sad that is that that's the saddest story i've ever heard i know i know i'm still like i'm my, like i'm still so hurt by it that i can't even my like never had a dog since also for the fact that i'm never reading like because i've been on the road a lot so you you're don't never wanna, home yeah yeah so you didn't want to have a dog but like it also just i think i still have a hole in my heart from that <laughs> i mean it'd be terrible any day of the year to lose your pet like that but on christmas like this christmas is just and like as a young kid as well like it's just oh i don't think his life has never been as hard on me since that so <laughs> oh wow that's kind of a I put a damper on the rest of the Oh, no, no. <laughs> Just kidding. This will uh, make you happy. Love them in memory. It's okay. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, this will cheer things up. Uh, question number eight. What's your favorite beer? Ooh, Asahi, the uh, Japanese beer, for sure. Okay. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. And you can get it in Ireland now as well, so it's been, it's been keeping me company this last year. Let me ask you a follow-up question. This is question 8A. What's your favorite American beer? So I don't like I I remember I went to the States once and I got this really really big pan for a show like and I was ready to go out but I opened it up and I remember I drank a bit of it and it tasted like spaghettis 
like spaghetti juice. You know when you get a tan of like a can of spaghetti? Yeah. The ju- the water in that, I remember I took a sip and it was the most horrible thing I'd ever tasted in my life. I was horrified with it. But I don't know what it was. Maybe I accidentally picked up something wrong. I was going <laughs> to say, my- are you sure you didn't pick up a can of spaghetti sauce? Because I've never well, heard of it any was, beer. It was in a beer can. And okay. this was like my first time in America too. So I was like, oh, I want to try something I haven't seen before. So I'll get this. And big mistake, big mistake. But my fa- after the Asahi beer, it is definitely Coors Light. And people give me a bit of stick for liking Coors Light. They're like, oh, that's not a real beer. I'm like, no, I love it. I love Coors Light. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you can't go wrong with Coors Light. Nobody should yeah. get on your It's throat. just, it's smooth. It goes down easy. It does the job. I'm happy with it. All right. Question number nine. Do you have any hidden talents? You saw my art. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's not um, hidden anymore. That's, yeah. that's I don't know if you would have seen my few attempts at uh, playing guitar as well. I'm quite the... No, I'm not. I'm terrible. And I get, uh, <laughs> you play You play guitar? No, I tried. Again, this was part of my, um, you know, oh, quarantine is fun. I'm going to become a really interesting, well-rounded person. But I gave up on after two weeks. Uh, I, I do know a little bit. Like, I know the chords and stuff like that, but I just can't... My And the thing is, in my family, my two brothers are, like, musical prodigies. They're fantastic, but for some reason I just cannot get from one to the other. I can't hold it. I don't know. I just, I don't know. So to, hidden talents, other than being insanely fanciable, no, and that's not hidden. <laughs> no, that's that's out there. That's for sure. Yeah. No, I, I mean, why should I? Why should I hide my talents? There's no <laughs> point in having hidden talents. I'm just going to show everyone if I'm talented. <laughs> good point. And you know, with your brothers being musical prodigies, I would say, well, who have they ever beaten? Because yeah, you know. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) All right, question number 10. Um, I ask this question sometimes of our our female guests. And I know I always hesitate sometimes to ask it. But what is your strangest fan interaction that you can tell us on this show? Mm. I know the ladies in this business have some strange fan interactions. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) There's definitely been a few. I'm trying to think what the strangest will be. Like, I don't know what you mean by strange. Like, are we talking too much? Like, too a bit too far? Or just... I think one of the coolest things I've definitely seen, when I went to Australia, um, a guy had a tattoo of me. He oh, had that's my signature. Awesome. He had my signature tattooed on him. And I was like, this is my first time in Australia. So that was really, really cool. But you're like, that's not really strange. It's just really cool. Um... Oh, this is one. There's it's not straight, and I as well. I do think it's really cool, but there is a part in England, like around the Bristol area. Uh, I have a fan there that every time I'm on a show or around there, he dresses up completely in me to the point that he made like my on my knee pads. I had hashtag Francis Martina, like embroidered in, and this guy went to the extent of getting every detail of my gear down to a T and every time I'm on a show he gets blonde wig everything and he travels sometimes to different shows dresses me which I think is really really cool but it's also quite surreal <laughs> <laughs> but see that's a great compliment not just because obviously he's a huge fan of yours but yeah it's a, it's a compliment to the character that you've created because I always say when you can easily imitate something then yeah. you know it's gotten over because it's distinguishable so that's the, yeah, that's like the fact that like around Halloween, 
uh, at different shows people dress up as me sometimes I always think that's so cool to see and that's what I like is that you can kind of have a trademark like the leopard prints and the bag of cans you know yes 100% all right well I would say those are really cool fan interactions yeah not, not the strange I was you know I was looking for something salacious but that's it's probably <laughs> best that we we keep it family friendly yeah, I, was, I don't really know. I don't really think I have anything. Like, I think maybe I just block it all out. There you go. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, those are. That's it. That's the end of ten questions. Uh, that's the end of of this fabulous interview with uh, the 2020 Ring of Honor Female Wrestler of the Year, Session Marth Martina. Before we uh, let you go, though, can you give us your uh, social media info? Where can people find you? It is at Moth from the Flats on Twitter. It is Session Martina on Facebook and Instagram. All right. Well, Martina, this was um, as much fun as I thought it would be. And Thank uh, once you. Again, it really was. Once again, I, for me, like I said, an honor to talk with an award winner. Uh, <sighs> once again, that is the 2020 Ring of Honor Female Wrestler of the Year, as voted on by you, the people. Honor Nation, you have spoken. Thank you so much. <laughs> and you fancy Session Moth Martina. So, can't wait to see what you do in 2021. I cannot wait to be back, guys. I'm living and breathing for it every day. <laughs> All right. And I want to thank everybody out there for listening today. And remember, a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked on to ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin Eck and the 2020 Ring of Honor Female Wrestler of the Year, Session Moth Martina, saying stay safe and let's all be ROH strong.